You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. You know, I love, uh, I love art creativity being used to worship Jesus. Such a beautiful expression and uh, atmosphere that it creates in a room. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm just, I was so blessed. I was in tears as Hannah was dancing. It was the first time we've done that on a Sunday. Wasn't that amazing? It's, it's like such a vulnerable expression. So how about everyone that sees her tell her how beautiful it was? I was in tears. So, uh, and, and artists over here, we, we sometimes fail to recognize what a vulnerable act it is. But the first time the Spirit of God came on anyone in the Scripture, it was a spirit of wisdom and creativity. And I feel like whenever we express ourselves artistically, creatively, it's so vulnerable because it's exposing our soul, but so powerful. So let's make sure we just honor and always value what people do for us and the way that they lead us into worship. Amen. So we uh, are behind schedule again, like we were last week. Can I get an amen? Uh, one of the things that we are constantly trying to do is we want to be excellent, and we want to have structure, and we want to value your time, and we also want to value the presence of God above all of that. And so it's a tension that we're navigating. That's not a paradox that I'm going to preach on tonight, but it is a paradox. Uh, but one of the things that we're going to do to just safeguard the process, because we also want to value our children's workers who miss church to minister to our children week after week is we don't want them to be stuck forever. So that being said, God is going to show up and we, we give him permission to do what he wants. We try, it's not like we're planning on longer services, but at 6.55, we're just gonna make it a rule that at 6.55, if you have children there and you're wanting to receive ministry or something's going on, get your kids, come back in and receive ministry as a family. Is that fair? So we just wanna make it so that you know, 6.55, just go get them, bring them back in, and God's gonna still be here. He won't leave because kids are running around. He's really good at hanging with people, amen? All right, thank you. So uh, it's now my joy to introduce uh, Pastor AJ, who is our college minister here. And uh, he's, yeah, yeah. Come on. You know, uh, the, the, the church, uh, Jesus is the leader of the church, and one of the ways that I believe he actually transitions churches from, uh, to, to really understand that it's his presence leading us is that he puts different dispensations of grace on different individuals for, that are essential for the life of the church. And uh, AJ is not just our college minister, but I've told him this from early on. There's the grace of God on his life uh, to be a, a voice and a mouthpiece to this community. And so uh, I really, it's a joy not to just invite him to come preach, but to present him before this congregation as, as one of, I believe, many individuals that God Almighty is anointing with the grace of Jesus Christ to be an instrument to be in a conduit to the, for the upbuilding and the edification of this body. And so AJ is a joyful, joyful heart and a very joyful person, and he also has a very old soul that's deep with the Lord. And AJ is a paradox in himself. So uh, he, actually, he actually is the fifth paradox of Riverhouse. I'm totally joking. Uh, but I just want us to stand. Let's honor Pastor AJ as he comes to preach tonight. Jeez. 
<laughs> Let's pray. It sounds like a good start. I don't know about you, but I'm like really desperate for more of the presence today. Like I'm so, God, we are so desperate for your presence, Jesus. We are, we are so desperate, God, to just encounter you more. We desire to be a people of your presence, God, above all else. We want to be a people who seek your face. We want to be a people who go from glory to glory. We want to be a people who see the kingdom of God made manifest in our lives. We do not want to be bystanders. We do not want to just stand back and just watch. We want to partake in what you are doing in this world. So Jesus, I just ask that you'd be with me today, God. I ask that you'd use me. I, I, I thank you for this opportunity to be your mouthpiece. And I submit and I subject myself to your leadership. And I say, your will be done, God. Your will be done in this church. Your will be done here, Jesus. Not our will, but your will be done here, God. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We honor you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on. I'm just... I feel like the Lord just so wants to increase the presence of God in our lives. I really do. And I feel like today's message, I'm so excited. I feel like he wants to teach us something so that we will be uh, people of the presence even more and more and more. Amen. And so I'm gonna, we're going to start off reading some scripture. Um, we're going to be reading uh, Psalm 27, one of the most famous psalms there is, but Felt like the Lord wanted us to start off with just closing our eyes. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter because the Word of God is living and active, right? It is living and active. It is alive and active and moving in the world today, amen? And so I just even believe as I'm reading this that you will get revelation. I believe there's an impartation that can take place if we choose to open our heart to the Word of God. Let's open our heart. God, we just right now, before we jump into the scripture, we open our heart to your word. We open our heart to what you want to speak through this text. We thank you for the word of God. Yeah. This is the Psalm of David, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. 
I will sing and make a melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me. Answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, Lord, your face do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Oh, that's a good word. <laughs> and as I was praying this week and as the Lord gave me this word, I felt like the Lord, he, he gave me a word for our church and, and he really, I, I don't feel like this is supposed to be some ultra convicting sermon or anything like that. I believe this is, he wants to come in his love and in his mercy to convict us in some ways and in little small compromises because he wants us to be fully yielded to him. Like, he wants us to be a people. He wants us to be people like David who say, the one thing that I ask, the one thing that I will seek after, that I will go after, that I will pursue with my all in all is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to sit in his temple and to inquire him. I believe he wants us as a church to hone in our desire on the one thing. Like he, and that is what today's message is called. It's called honing in our desire. He desires for us to hone in our desire to be like people like David, right? David had everything. He was the king of Israel. He was the king of God's people. He had the wives. He had the riches. He had the, he had the armies. He had it all. But he said, it all doesn't matter. None of it matters. Uh, the one thing I want the one thing I hunger after, the one thing I want to put my desire in, my hope in, the one thing I will pursue is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty, to inquire in his temple. Amen? And so we're going to talk about desire today. We're going to go on this journey of what does it mean? What is desire, right? Because if we're to hone in our desire, if we are to look at him, if we are to place all of our attention, all of our focus onto him, I believe the Lord wants us to define what desire is. And I think uh, desire is this really interesting thing. Uh, it is neither right nor wrong. It is not inherently good and is, it is not inherently bad. Right? Desire is our motivator. It is the thing that wakes us up every single morning. It is our engine, right? We wake up every single morning with desire in our heart. We have a desire to eat breakfast because we're hungry. We have a desire to have a good day at work. We have a desire to be comforted. We have a desire to be seen. We have a desire to be known. We have a desire to be intimate, right? We wake up with this thing called desire each and every day. It is infinite. It's never ending. 
since the day we were born, right? That's why babies cry before they can even speak. Why? Because they have a desire. They need some, their needs to be met. So what do they do? They cry. They say, I desire something. And I guess I'm not a parent yet, but moms and dads are like, okay, I got to figure out what this little baby's desiring. And the bottle, no, that doesn't work. The crib, that doesn't work. The food, that, you know. But we, we have desire built built in us. It is our motivator, and it is infinite. We will have desire in our hearts for all of eternity. We will have desire when we are in heaven someday, and our desire is infinite because it can only be met by the infinite himself. I fundamentally believe that, that we have had desire in us since our conception, and we will have it through all of eternity because it belongs to the one who is infinite. Our desire belongs to him. And we can spend, the, here's the thing that we can realize about desire, right? Is it is a great motivator. Desire is a fantastic motivator. But when we start, the thing with desire though, is, is it requires choice, right? Like each and every one of us, we will wake up with a desire to be seen, to be known, to be comforted. But it is my choice on how that desire is fulfilled. No one else has control over it. You can't control how I steward my desires. The only person that can control the desires of our hearts is ourselves. We are the only ones who have a say in it, right? We can have friends and family and, and even the Lord convict us and tell us, but at the end of the day, I have the choice to choose how my desires are going to be fulfilled, it is my duty to steward the desires. And what we know about desire, right, is if we have a desire, let's just use an example, to be comforted. If I don't place that desire in him, what am I going to do? I'm going to go put it in things of this world. I'm going to put it in objects. I'm going to put it in people. I'm going to put it in situations. I'm going to put it in job titles, whatever. And what will end up happening? It will start controlling my life. Desire is a great motivator, but it is a horrible controller because it will lead to addiction. It leads to cycles and cycles and cycles. And it is cyclical in nature because, because what we will do is we will just keep going to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing to get our desire met unless we go to him. And the natural result, the natural result of a life that is placing desires in the flesh, that is placing desires in the, in the self is burnout, exhaustion, stress, anxiety, fear, because it is not sustainable, because it cannot be met by anything in this world. It can only be met by him. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right? It's an amazing verse. It's incredible. Amen? But I think so many times, unfortunately, it's like not understood properly. To to, what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? To delight yourself in the Lord means to find joy in, and, and actually in the Hebrew, it actually means to be soft, to be pliable. And so I think you can actually read it, um, delight yourself in the Lord, place your desire in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. 
which is him. <laughs> so he's like, place your desire in me, place your joy, find your comfort, submit yourself to me, and I will give you myself. It's not like just be happy with me so I'll give you that new job, that new car, that new thing. It's like, no, delight yourself in me, place your desire, place your all in all in me so that I will give you myself, which is I will give you all the inheritance, everything that is mine is yours. Yes. Amen? Amen? That's a good word. <laughs> it's a really good word. <laughs> wow. I just went up here and just, phew. now I don't know where I am, but that's okay. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I think we need, this is like, this is life with me. When I'm up here, this is how I live my everyday life. You can ask my wife. I just go, and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> what, what am I doing? <laughs> oh, oh, wife. The other day, I got an espresso for Christmas, and the other day, I was telling my wife, I was like, Carrie, it's amazing. I got an espresso for Christmas, but the first time I used it, I was such a knucklehead, I didn't, like, know that there was different sizes for the pods, so I put, like, the really big pod in the thing, and I put a small cup in there, and it just completely overflowed, and as I'm telling her this, which I knew was already probably frustrating her, I remembered, I was like, I just put a pod in the Nespresso, but I didn't even put a cup in there. And I just start hearing drip, 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 drip. Oh. My 2020 goal is to not move so fast. You should have seen at, at staff retreat, Jordan always makes us be silent because he's an introvert, you know? And so, and so, and so, we're, we're quiet, we're, we're quiet, and I'm reading this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and like, it's so quiet, and I'm like, trying to look at Jordan Soderman, who's the other like, extroverted person, but he was like, living in the introverted side, and I'm like, oh, this is so hard. <laughs> this is so hard, and it was, it's not a joke, it's serious. It's an issue, don't laugh at me. I'm learning this year, I'm learning to practice solitude and the presence of Jesus. I'm starting with 30 minutes a day of silence, no headphones, no nothing, just silent. Not bad, huh? <laughs> I've done it every day. I've actually done it every day, it's pretty good. Um, so anyways, back to the sermon. <laughs> Let's, I think when it comes to desire, David, right, he, he is this ultra-emotional, powerful man that we read about. And, and I love the book of Psalms, man. Like, seriously, I, as I've been reading the book of Psalms this week, you just, you get, if you open your heart while you're reading that book, you will encounter something and God will meet you. Bill Johnson, he says that I read the book of Psalms until I like find myself in that book. And David is this man, he was a man after God's own heart. He is a man that, that teaches us what does it look like to desire God in, in, in the good times of life and in also the low times, right? 
If you read the book of Psalms, you'll see he's like praising the Lord in one verse. In the next verse, he's like, you have forsaken me. Where are you? But it's powerful. It's still his desire is God. His desire is him. I believe that's why he was a man after God's own heart. Because he was a man who fixed his desire on the king of glory. And he was the shepherd boy made king. And David lived his whole life with the intention to give God the glory and the honor. He desired to find his fulfillment in honoring the will of God, right? So he's the shepherd boy anointed king. King Saul is, is the king of Israel at the time. But David becomes this mighty, mighty, mighty warrior. He is this mighty man. And all of Israel starts chanting, you know, Saul kills thousands, but David kills 10,000s. And David knows that he is going to become king of Israel. He knows it with everything that he has. Um, but Saul wanted to kill him because he wanted him to become king. And so what happens? David flees Israel. He flees the people and he goes and he hides in a cave. Saul comes after him. And Saul comes into the cave and David is behind him. And David has an opportunity to kill Saul and become the king of Israel. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And you know what? No one probably would have complained if David became king. Oh, no one would have been like, oh, you savage, you killed the king. No one would have said that. They would have, re they would have rejoiced that now David is king. No one would have said, what the heck did you just do, David? Because they all loved him. But David did not kill the king because he wanted to honor the Lord's anointed. He wanted to honor and please God because his desire was not in pleasing the people of Israel, but pleasing the one who is Yahweh, the one who is seated on the throne. Amen. Amen. And so David becomes king. He is ruler. They, he is killing it. He's got, I mean, this, all the wives part, that's not killing it. It's a, just a different day, you know? And, but he's got wives. He's got money. He's winning all the battles. And, 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 and people of Israel love him. And he has more wealth. He has got, he, he's the man who God says, you're after my own heart. But what happens after David becomes king? After David becomes king, <laughs> He's up sitting on his porch or rooftop and he looks and he sees a woman bathing and he says, I want that. I desire that. And he went and he took this woman named Bathsheba who was married and slept with her and then killed her husband to hide it, got her pregnant, took her to be her wife, his wife. He already had like four, three. But David did what he wanted to do, right? Somewhere there was a shift because he's the man after God's own heart. Somewhere, all we see all throughout the life of David is that he is a man after God's own heart. When he killed Goliath, it was for God's glory. When he went and served Saul, it was for God's glory. When he did not kill him, it was for God's glory. And then we get to him becoming king, and now he has this, he falls into lust. He falls into sin, serious sin. Why? Why? Clearly, somewhere his desire shifted. 
His desire was always fulfilled in God, but now his desire was fulfilled in self. He grew prideful, he grew arrogant, and, 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 and desire rooted in the self. I don't, I don't like the word rooted. Desire fulfilled in the self says, I'm going to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And that's what David was. He's like, I'm king, I'm ruler, I'm going to do what I want. That woman, she's mine. What did it lead to? It led to agony. It led to agony. The, the baby ended up dying. It, it, horrible. Why? All because David stopped honing in his desire on the one and looked in himself to get his desires and his needs met. And I believe the reality is when our desire is rooted in the self, it will bear bad fruit. Like, it will bear bad fruit. When desire is rooted in the self, when we look to our own selves to get our needs, our desires met, the desire to be comforted, the desire to be seen, the desire to be known, right? All these are desires, and we have two options. We can either have them fulfilled in the self, or we can go to him, right? All those desires, feeling those feelings are natural feelings as human beings. The desire to be seen, the desire to be known, the desire to be loved intimately. That is a, oh, that is a good feeling to have. That means you're working properly. But how are we stewarding it? Where, how are we getting it fulfilled? Right, and obviously this is like a big blatant story, right, where this is very obvious and this is a big story, but I believe that we can actually compartmentalize. And there's some areas where we'll go to God and we'll get our needs met. But then there's other areas where we're like, no, this is my world. And I'm gonna do what I want whenever I want, however I want. You know, and, 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 and I don't even want to, I, I feel like I don't even want to focus on like ob, the like obvious stories of like how desire rooted in the self will lead to sexual immorality, to all the like bigger sins, for lack of better terms, right? But, but I believe what desire rooted in the self can also look like this. It can also look like, oh, I'm going to do this good thing to make me feel this way so that this person, this person, then this person see me that way. I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve on the setup team. I love always using this as an excuse. It's such a great plug. It really is. I, oh, every time I mention it, I get an email that week. Please, I'll serve on the setup team. <laughs> it's a great idea. But it's like, I'm going to serve on the setup team, and then maybe that'll earn favor with this person, this person, this person. That's desire rooted in the self. And the kingdom of God will not be made manifest in our life if if we meet the desires, if we ourselves meet our own desires. 
Jesus addresses this in, in John 5, 39 through 43. He is talking to the Pharisees and wealthy people who, who look to attain eternity by their own works, right? And it says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Huh. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If anyone comes in his own name, him you will receive. Jesus is looking at these guys and he's saying, You're reading your Bibles, <laughs> you're reading the scriptures to do all the things right so that you would live in eternity someday. But I tell you, you will not inherit me. You will not inherit the kingdom because the love of God is in you and I know that because you don't come to me. Do you see that? He sees what they're doing. He sees that they're reading their Bibles, they're reading the Torah, they're reading scriptures and doing the things. They're even being obedient to the things of scripture, yet they're not obeying the one thing, which is to desire the Lord and to love him with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. They're doing all the right things. They're checking all the right boxes. They're doing their quiet time. They're doing this, 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 and this. Yet Jesus says, you don't have the love of God in you. Because they're why. They were doing all these good things, but, but self was their motivator. Self fulfilled desire. This year, I got smacked in the face, just to be blunt utterly smacked in the face because I started looking at my life, particularly my marriage this last year, and I saw that my marriage, I as a husband, was producing bad fruit. Like, I looked at my marriage and I, 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 and I would be like, okay, I didn't honor my wife today. I didn't respect her. I didn't treat her with love. I did not honor her. And the Lord convicted me so, so strongly. I didn't have this big blatant sin, but I had bad fruit in my life in the way that I was a husband to my wife. And it, it, without going all into it, essentially, the reason was this year, my wife was working her butt off, slaving, <laughs> because she's a CPA, she's an accountant, and she was trying to get her CPA certification. So her schedule looked like she was working all day and studying all night. And so I had the mentality of, I'm going to do whatever I want, because this is free time. This is free time. And so what I did all year, no joke, the Lord showed me. He's like, AJ, you seriously... All year long, did whatever you want, however you wanted, whenever you wanted to do it. You were at the center of your whole life. You were the one that was trying to fulfill your desires by when you needed to be comforted, instead of going to your wife and saying, hey, I need to be comforted right now. Will you help me with this? I would just go fishing or hunting. Right? I would go and do all these things. And those things in themselves, right, are not inherently bad. It is not bad that I fished almost every week this whole year. <laughs> I had so many times that honestly were beautiful and powerful and I encountered God. 
But why it turned into sin was because the desire was I was doing anything I wanted, and what it started to do was produce bad fruit in my marriage. Because my desire was not rooted in love. My desire was not rooted in him. It was rooted in myself doing whatever I want, however I want, whenever I want to do it. You know, and so I think a uh, really good way to understand where your desires are is by taking an honest assessment of your fruit in your life. Of like looking at your life and being like, where is there good fruit? Where is there bad fruit? And now I need to do something about it. Because if you're anything like me, I love to focus on all of my good fruit. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't love to look at my bad fruit. But when you go home to a wife who doesn't feel loved, who doesn't feel respected, and you've had the same conversation 40 times, you start to feel like an idiot. You start to feel dumb. You know, big, you know, Pastor AJ (laughs) being stupid. Because my desire was not honed in on the right thing. I was compartmentalizing my desire. I was desiring the Lord in the areas that were nice and convenient for me, but myself and everywhere that I wanted to. We are to be a people of the presence. We are to be a people who manifest the kingdom of God, and I believe the Lord wants us to hone in our desire on the one thing, which is him, because we are a community of entrepreneurs, of creatives, of people who are looking to see the glory of God come into our city and in our families. That is why we are at this church, right? We are at this church because there is, we all know that there is something bigger at play here. We're not just the people coming to church, singing a f- couple songs, listening to a message. Like We are a people who are hungry to see the kingdom of God made manifest in our world. And I believe the Lord wants to honor that hunger that we all have. I believe that he is going to use this community in a powerful way to see the kingdom of God made manifest. But we must be a people who do not fulfill our desires in ourselves, but be a people who live a life of the spirit, which is desires fulfilled in love and in him. Jesus was moved with compassion, so he healed. Right? He was moved. His desire was what? His desire was to love. His desire was to serve. And so what happened? The kingdom of God was made manifest because his desire was rooted in love. A life of the spirit is desire rooted, fulfilled in making decisions of am I living a life of laid down love or not? Desires fulfilled in the spirit of God look to serve, not be served. Desire rooted in the spirit looks to lay down your life and to not seek your own power and control, but look to love. Look for the kingdom of God to advance. Jesus 
in Matthew 9, 35 through 38 says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Jesus was moved with compassion. His desire was rooted in love of honoring his heavenly father, which is why the kingdom of God was manifested everywhere he walked. The fruits of the spirit were made manifested everywhere he walked. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We will know what our desire is rooted in based on our fruit. If our relationships, if our work, if our screams, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, then we're living a life of the Spirit. But if not, we need a readjustment. And we need to hone in our desire on the one thing. Amen? And so I, I feel like I'm just going to close the message here actually soon. I feel like the Lord has given us very, very, very practical insight in Psalm 27 on how we can actually hone in our desire on the one thing, right? Because, like, I, I know this is a message that, like, ooh, I hope it's not a shocker to anyone, <laughs> right? Like, the whole life is like, I surrender, like, all the Bibles, like, give everything, die to yourself, all of it, right? But sometimes I think we need to talk, what are some practical things that we can do to make sure our desire is fulfilled and rooted in the one thing? And like David, I think the first thing we can do is to be a people who gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. If we are a people who gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, we will be a people who live a life of adoration and thanksgiving. How do we do this? How, like, I believe the Lord, like, it's so funny, Jordan hit on it when we were, as he was doing transition, but I believe, like, we are gifted in this community with the most amazing corporate worship, amen? Like, the corporate worship of this house, like, I could just sit here and be here all the days, right? Like, I'm like, heck yeah, this is awesome. But I feel like the Lord wants, us, wants to teach us as a church, what does it look like to worship outside of the four walls of this building? What does it look like for us to worship? Are we just going to church to get our worship fixed in? Are we just going to prayer meetings to get our worship fixed in? Or are we being a people who live to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to look at his face and to give him adoration and praise and thanksgiving each and every moment of our day? How do we do this? We live and we practice solitude. We practice thanksgiving. We practice the Sabbath. We set time aside to gaze. To gaze means I have no agenda. I am going to look at you, Jesus. Amen? The second thing, and this one fires me up big time is to 
inquire in his temple. This is a two-way street. Jesus longs for us. If we want to be a people who hone in our desire on him, then that means we need to come and inquire him. We need to come to him with our thoughts, with our ideas. We need to come with him, come to him with the things that are concerning us. Like, we don't get to just make these decisions alone. There is this invitation where where David, he has everything right, and he says, what I want to do, the one thing I seek is I want to sit in the temple, and I want to ask you questions. Like, I want to ask you questions like, God, how do I do today? How, how, am I, how are we going to do this? God, how am I going to overflow love today? God, how am I going to spend my finances? How am I going to eat food? How am I going to work out? We are to, like, if we want to be a people whose desire honed in, then we need to actually care what he thinks. And actually come and submit ourselves to him. Because when we come to inquire, it's a heart posture of, I'm not leading this conversation. To inquire in his temple says, I am coming under the leadership of Jesus and saying, I'm going to do what you say. Amen? And lastly, I believe we are to look upon the goodness of God. In the land of the living. This world is broken. It's hard, right? Like there's, there's no two ways of saying that. This, this life is difficult. And bad stuff happens to us. Right? And I have a choice each and every day as a Christian. As a believer. As one who is an apprentice and a disciple of Jesus to join his narrative or to join the enemies. And I believe my, our desires will be honed in on the one thing if we actually look for what God is doing in our world. Right? We have to be a people of prophetic vision, people who are looking, what is God doing today? I love hanging out with Robin. Why? Because Robin's always looking for God. Right? I love when we have our family meetings at the office and she just tells me these crazy testimonies of, of God showing up in our everyday life. Like if God's not showing up in our everyday life, hello, that's a problem. So we need to look for the goodness of God in the land of the living because he's not waiting for us. He's already active. He's already, he's already reconciling the world back into himself. He is already on the move. And it is because of his love and his joy, he looks at us and he says, you too have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So are you going to join me? Are you going to look for me and be a partakers in the ministry of reconciliation in this world? Or are you going to sit back and watch me because I'm going to be doing it anyways, so you might as well join me. It's his desire. His desire is that we would live in his desire. (laughs) He can do that. He's God. (laughs) He saved us. He was crucified and brutally murdered. God. 
so that we could live with his desire. And he looks and he says, everything that I have is yours. So pick up your cross and follow me. And desire me with your whole life, with everything that you have. Amen? All right, will you stand? Just close your eyes. Jesus, we come and we repent today for any ways that we were getting our desires fulfilled in ourselves. We want no part of it anymore, God. We want a renewed mind. We want to be a people who live a life of adoration and a life of surrender. It is our one desire to follow you, Jesus. We echo the prayer of David and say, this one thing that I ask, this one thing that I seek after, that I will gaze upon your beauty all the days of my life and I will inquire in your temple. So Jesus, we come and we subject ourselves to your leadership. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand and we say, your will be done. Your will be done in our lives. We desire to be people of the presence. We want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Will you renew our minds to see you more at work? Renew our minds, Jesus. Renew our minds so that we may partake in the ministry of reconciliation. We love you, we praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the River House Podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.